welcome back to Global Value. In today's video, we're going to be performing a fundamental stock analysis of Wells Fargo and Company, ticker symbol WFC. Wells Fargo is a systemically important American bank. It's one of the largest banks in the United States. For a long time, Wells Fargo was one of the top positions in the Berkshire Hathaway public stock portfolio. For a number of years, it was the largest position. Warren Buffett has bought and sold it at various times, but he originally invested in the business in the late 1980s. As of Berkshire Hathaway's most recent 13F, Warren Buffett has actually disposed of his entire stake in Wells Fargo, so he has completely sold out of the company, again for the first time in more than three decades. Even so, Wells Fargo is one of these systemically important banks, which are often called the too-big-to-fail banks. So it, alongside these other large U.S. banks, are going to have a certain set of structural advantages. Part of what really soured Warren Buffett on Wells Fargo was their fake account scandal that came to light in 2016. And Wells Fargo has had to deal with certain banking regulations and certain caps on their assets. Since then, while they're remediating that damage and coming into better compliance there, currently Wells Fargo is trading for just over $40 per share. Year to date, their stock price is down 16%, so they're down similar to other banking peers. Over the past year, Wells Fargo is down 8%. Going back three years, they're down 6% compounded annually. Over the past 10 years, they're only up a little under 2% compounded annually. And going back 17 and a half years prior to the global financial crisis, Wells Fargo has only returned about 1.5% compounded annually. Keep in mind that this stock price return is not including the dividends that they pay out. Wells Fargo is one of the largest banks in the United States with a $152 billion market cap. For some more background about the business, Wells Fargo is one of the largest banks in the United States with approximately $1.9 trillion in balance sheet assets. The company is split into four primary segments, consumer banking, commercial banking, corporate and investment banking, and wealth and investment management. It is almost entirely focused on the United States. The company also offers brokerage and internet and mobile banking services. Wells Fargo and Company was founded in 1852 and is headquartered in San Francisco, California. For our fundamental analysis, we're going to be performing our very own 10 Towers Banking Analysis. The 10 Towers Analysis is based off of key banking metrics, matched up with the outline of the 8-pillar analysis popularized by Everything Money, but geared specifically toward banks. In my own research on banks, I wasn't able to find a beginning and holistic analysis that was focused on banking fundamentals, so I created my own and we're using that today. Keep in mind that this video is about learning in public. I'm not a banking expert and I would love to hear recommendations of how to improve this analysis over time to come to the to deliver the very best banking analysis that we can. So without further ado, let's get into it. Starting off with tower number one, we want their average five-year PE to be below 12 and a half to trade in line with banks historical industry averages. So currently, Wells Fargo is trading for eight times earnings. Over this time frame, they got all the way up to trading at 113 times earnings in 2021. They also traded as low as six times earnings. However, averaged out, they're trading at 21 times earnings. So that's going to be an X to start off on tower number one. Tower number two, we want their average five-year return on equity to be above 9%. So in four out of these five years, Wells Fargo delivered above that metric. 
However, in 2020, they were only able to deliver 2% returns on equity. So a hallmark sign of a great bank is that even during the worst times, they're still able to earn respectable returns on equity. And unfortunately, Wells Fargo had a pretty subpar return on equity during the initial phases of the global pandemic. So that's not a great sign here. However, averaged out over this time frame, Wells Fargo is returning about 9.4% on equity. So just over that metric we're looking for. And that's going to be our first check today on tower number two. Tower number three, we're looking for five-year revenue growth. So Wells Fargo has actually seen their revenues decrease over this time frame. In 2017, they earned about $86 billion in revenue, and that decreased to about $83 billion in 2021. They went all the way down to $60 billion of revenue in 2020. That is going to be our second X of the day. Tower number four, we're looking for five-year net income growth. Banks are ultimately going to be valued based on their net income. Again, here, Wells Fargo's net income has decreased from $22 billion in 2017 to just about $21.5 billion in 2021. So not a lot. However, in 2020, they only brought in $3.3 billion of net income. So again, 2020 was an extremely rough year for the business. Banks are ultimately going to be valued on their net income. So in an average year over these past five years, Wells Fargo is earning just under $18 billion per year. Put that number in the bank for now, but we'll be using that later on when we're evaluating how the business's market cap compares to their ability to produce net income. But again, that is going to be our second X in a row and our third X overall out of four towers on tower number four. Tower number five, we're looking for five-year deposit growth. Deposits are the money that a bank takes in, which they're paying interest on. Ultimately, a bank lends out their deposits. Banks earn income on the spread of the interest payments that they're paying on deposits versus the interest payments that they're taking in after making loans. So Wells Fargo has grown deposits from $1.3 trillion in 2017 to just under $1.5 trillion in 2021. So that is going to be a check. Their deposit base has grown even after their fake account scandal. Tower number six, we're looking for decreasing shares outstanding. When you purchase a share of stock, what you're really buying is a fractional ownership percentage in that underlying business. When a business repurchases shares and decreases the number of shares that they have outstanding, they're increasing your ownership percentage of the business, ultimately increasing the percentage of the business's profits that you're going to be entitled to without you having to pay a dime. We want businesses to be buying back shares at reasonable valuations, but overall throughout this time frame, Wells Fargo has decreased their shares outstanding from $5 billion in 2017 to $4 billion in 2021. So Wells Fargo has bought back about 20% of their shares outstanding. This coupled with their deposit growth means that Wells Fargo has steadily increased their deposits per share, and that is a great metric of a healthy bank. So that's a check on tower number six. Tower number seven, we want the interest that Wells Fargo is paying on deposits as a percentage of their total deposits to be stable or decreasing. Looking here, we can see that their deposits have grown while their interest that they're paying on deposits are way down. Ultimately, deposits are a bank's main source of funds. This means that Wells Fargo's source of funds is very cheap and has gotten cheaper over this time frame. So as banks are a commodity business, if a bank is able to pay out interest on deposits divided by their total deposits, that's a lower percentage than their competitors, then that bank potentially is going to have a low cost producer advantage in this commoditized banking industry. 
So this is a very good sign here for Wells Fargo on tower number seven. Bear in mind that the interest that banks are going to pay on deposits is going to fluctuate somewhat with the federal funds rate. Tower number eight, we want their percentage of non-interest expenses divided by their total deposits to be stable or decreasing. This tower is referred to as a bank's efficiency ratio. It ultimately measures how efficiently a bank is able to conduct its operations by keeping spending on overhead and the cost of running branches down relative to their total deposits. So for tower number eight, their deposits are up slightly and their expenses are down slightly. So, so over this time frame, Wells Fargo has increased their efficiency and they're operating as a more efficiently run bank. So that is another check on tower number eight. So far, we have five out of eight checks through eight towers. Tower number nine, we want institutional deposits as a percentage of total deposits to be stable or decreasing. Ideally, we want this number to be as close to zero as possible. The reason for this is that it's easier for institutional deposits to leave a bank than it is for the same amount of retail deposits to leave that bank. We want a bank's deposit base to be as close to 100% retail funded as it can be. This is ultimately gonna help the bank maintain a safer deposit profile in times of economic hardship. So in each of these five years, as their deposits have grown, Wells Fargo has decreased the amount of institutional deposits that they're taking in. So that is gonna be another check on tower number nine. The last tower in our analysis today, tower number 10, we want Wells Fargo's market cap to be below their average five-year net income multiplied by 10 to give us a reasonable starting valuation of what we should be paying for the business. So currently, Wells Fargo has a $152 billion market cap. When we multiply their average five-year net income of nearly $18 billion times 10, that brings us to $180 billion. So that is going to be a check there on tower number 10 with nearly $28 billion of margin of safety. Just because this is a check based on their earnings doesn't mean that you run out and buy the business. This type of analysis should be considered holistically and really serves as a beginning starting point to understand if it's worth your while to do further due diligence and learn more about the business. The very best way to dig deeper into a business is to read through the business's filings, dive into their 10Ks, read through their annual reports, and try to understand the business inside and out, ultimately coming to your own independent conclusion of whether you should invest into the company or not. This analysis is not financial advice and it should not be misconstrued as a buy or sell recommendation of Wells Fargo. Here we're looking at Wells Fargo's dividend profile. Wells Fargo currently has a 2.6% dividend yield. Investors often like to invest in banks because they offer higher yields than the overall market. However, it's easy for investors to make mistakes by blindly chasing dividend yield without stopping to understand if the business's dividends are supported by the business's earnings and cash flow. So looking at their dividend profile, 2020 stands out as a very rough year. They paid out far more in dividends than they brought in in earnings. However, in each of these other years, they're not paying out more than 48% of their earnings as dividends. So that's good. Ideally, we want their payout ratio to be below 60%. And in the most recent year, in 2021, they only paid out 17% of their earnings as dividends. Although they have slashed the amount of dividends that they're paying out, they're down nearly two-thirds from where they were at in 2019, and that's been cut in half from their dividend payment in 2020. Now that they've increased their earnings again, you can look for this to potentially rise into the future. However, this isn't something you should bank on, pun intended. Lastly, we're looking at Wells Fargo's return on assets. 
Investors can often get tripped up here, but Warren Buffett has some very common sense advice that describes return on assets very simply for banks. If a bank is producing return on assets above 1% in the 1.3 to 1.4% range, that bank should sell above its tangible book value. If the bank's return on assets are below 1%, nearing this 0.6% to 0.5% range, that bank should be selling below book value. The main point that Warren Buffett wants to stress here is that book value is not the key to valuing banks, although sometimes it does help you identify a mispriced bank, especially if the bank is earning high returns on assets and has a very small percentage of non-performing loans in their portfolio. Usually those are rare exceptions. The key message here from Warren Buffett is that earnings are really the key to valuing banks. Hopefully that was demonstrated through our 10 towers banking analysis, especially through tower number 10. So in summary, Wells Fargo checks the box on seven out of 10 towers. They've seen their revenues decrease and their net income is slightly down. However, their deposits have grown and they bought back nearly 20% of their shares over this time frame. Their source of funds is very cheap and it's been getting cheaper. They're also operating more efficiently. They're reducing their exposure to institutional deposits. And based on their ability to produce earnings, it looks like the bank has a margin of safety relative to their current market cap. So again, this type of analysis is a holistic starting point. It's not financial advice. And you want to make sure that you do your own homework before considering investing into Wells Fargo. So that's it for today's 10 Towers Fundamental Banking Stock Analysis of Wells Fargo & Company, ticker symbol WFC. If you enjoyed today's video, please be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel for more stock analysis videos, and comment down below what business, bank or otherwise, that you want me to take a look at. Wells Fargo was a subscriber request, so comment your businesses down below and watch them come to life as videos. Thanks for learning about Wells Fargo with me today, and have a great day.